Welcome to Fiction Authors Talk Books, or Fat Books Podcast. This episode, I'm talking with the charming Tessa Cole about a bunch of this and that. I named this podcast Fiction Authors Talk Books because I wanted to incorporate all aspects of being a fiction author in the discussions. Being an author is a stressful job with high expectations from both ourselves and our fans, so this will always be a chill conversation that probably goes off topic most times, but we'll have some fun. If you enjoyed the podcast and would like to see your favorite author on here, send them this link and they can get in touch with us at fatbookspodcast at gmail. We take all authors who write fiction and have been published as long as they're polite. Thanks for joining and on to the podcast. So back to the guys and keeping them all separate and stuff. Because you're a pantser, you still obviously take notes and keep them all separate. Is there like a way that you, how do you work with that? So I have twins in my Ensnared by the Pack series, and they're just very different personalities. I guess I'm doing the good twin, evil twin. If we want to break it down into what it's like, or the the very basic of what it is. Mm -hmm. Knox is the guy. Ooh, good name. I work hard on my names. Knox is a very sexy name. Well, I I do too. read it in someone's book. It's very important to get the right name. Sexy name. The premise is she gets tricked into starting a mating bond. She gets tricked into thinking she's found her fated mate and starts the mating bond. Okay. Uh, and then that guy tries to sacrifice her to a monster. Oh, of course, because that's what, that's what happens. Yes. And then she flees, crossing through the portal where the monster was summoned into this other world. And Knox is the first one who finds her and the mate bond connects with him. So she accidentally mate bonds with the grump the angry one. He would rather be a wolf than a human, and she can't shift. She's too weak of a shifter. And his twin brother is the social butterfly. Okay. He's the sweetheart. He's the one that automatically jumps in to support her because his grumpy brother has refused to talk to her. She doesn't see Knox in his human form until, like, middle of the second book. So she doesn't even realize they're twins. Oh, wow. Yeah, it's kind of... He's the grunter. He's the one that speaks in single words, sentences. And Bishop is like, let's go dancing. I have wolf twins and Seraphine and they're Hagen and Reagan. And Reagan is not the grunter guy. Mm. Hagen is the lively, let's go dancing, always cracking jokes. But the two of them actually, they're her top betas, but they're basically like co-alpha. Okay. They take care of it for her because she works for the FBI and everything. They have their roles or whatever, but Reagan is definitely, he's not like the grunty kind or like, he's just the quiet one. Like he's more serious. He's more intense. Circumspect. I think that's the word. He's more thoughtful thinks before he speaks it's not even that um like he's he's just more an introvert like he's Mm -hmm. yeah he's not like so much wary like circumspect or he's not like hesitant with her he's the type who just sits back at the party and enjoys everybody else having fun and just kind of just nods along so like he's not a grump and he's not distrusting he's just yeah it's like one one twin popped out an introvert and one popped out an extrovert (laughs) and you know that could happen it could. It, Hagen's like more also the goofball and wants everybody happy. Yeah. Kind of can be more flaky because of that. Whereas Reagan is like, if he says something, he keeps his word. Yeah. He's such a nice guy, but kind of an introvert. Sometimes he gets not taken advantage of, but like, oh, you know, I need help. Okay, sure. Whatever you need. But like, whereas most other people could be like, I think you can handle this on your yeah. own. Like, so Sarah recently had to step in and kind of get like a mediator because her betas were being called to like change spare tires all the time 
it's one thing if you got in a car accident and you need a ride or, you know, something really happens. It's another thing if you're kind of taking advantage, you know, and that's kind of more Reagan is like he's just they're both former Marines, but he's always so gung ho to help. And like, this is what being a wolf is. This is what being pack is that sometimes. Yeah, he gets. He yes. Gets, you know, yeah, introverts get taken advantage of sometimes. <laughs> Interesting. Yeah. It's funny, though, how like I think every reverse harem author has at some point in time had twins though oh because i think it's, it's just an one expected of those... trope well not even that i think it's just one of those things that we've all seen and it's like how would i do it or what would i want mine to look like you know it's not like i did it because i thought i had to or like it, yeah like you were saying it's expected it was more like i saw twins in a different thing and i was like yeah, i don't i don't like that they're like that they should be more like this you know what i'm saying mm. yeah no, I picked my twins because I hadn't written twins. And they're fun. <laughs> I knew it was something that readers enjoyed. Yeah. And I thought, okay, well, let's have fun with that. Just because readers want it doesn't mean you have to avoid it. Oh, yeah, no. But it, just because they want it doesn't mean they get it either. Exactly. It's got to be what you want as the author and what you're what yeah. you're feeling. Yeah. Because, I mean, it's boring otherwise. Or like we've all read those books where you can tell that they, they did it just because they thought it would be expected or what the answer should be to the question and it's it's basic then like it's not fun sometimes you see it and they don't they haven't really put in the work to distinguish the characters with their own individual wants and desires outside of the want to have the heroine right i think it's important for proper character development for each hero to have their own life outside of what's currently happening, right? Like they have a history, they have experiences that other characters don't have. They have their own perspective on things yep. and they have their own goals. And even twins have their own goals. They're, they're separate individuals. Oh, for sure. Yeah, there's some of that in the next in the next episode. There's some of that in the next book where it's Hagen's been out enough and now that he they went through some stuff and now that he and Sarah are like back back together, he kind of took a step back and was like, you know, I kind of want to do this, this, and this. And she's like, okay, then do it. And he goes, like, that was his main thing. Like, I I finally felt I could say it because I knew you wouldn't be angry. I knew it wouldn't be a thing. I knew you'd be okay with me stepping outside the twin. Like, and I, I absolutely think that's imperative because otherwise you just have Tweedledee and Tweedledum, basically. With dicks, you know? <laughs> like, oh, I don't know what Tweedledee and Tweedledum did have, but you know what I mean? Like... <laughs> boy yeah. toys if yeah that just got weird but they're boy toys if you don't give them depth like that yeah oh no i completely agree now have you had any redemptions because it was funny that we were talking about neldor like that like it's hard to do the redemptions i prefer most of my male characters to be more just dummies and like grow up neldor's my first real like asshole that i'm redeeming and i uh, i'm not a fan of the redemption like i i just wanted to kick him in the nuts a lot <laughs> I find I find redemption really hard. I tend to like my heroes to be heroic. Mm -hmm. So they do bad things for the heroine uh, because they think they're being heroic. Yes. Or they're self-sacrificing for what they think is best for the heroine. That's usually what happens. They do something stupid because they think the heroine needs something else or yes. needs someone else. Yeah. Or they're just idiots. Let's just, we're all idiots at times. <laughs> yeah, Knox, Knox, I think, is the closest to a redemption I've done. And, oh, I worry that I haven't given him enough groveling. Um, that is a hard line. Yeah. 
Um, I do kind of lean into the faded mates thing a bit mm-hmm. to help me get through that. He did a bit of groveling, and now he's become a real sweetheart, mm-hmm. but he had the scare of his life, so the heroine ends up in life-threatening danger, and he just has a complete and utter scare. And that gives him the whole 180 to yeah. changing how he talks to her, how he behaves with her, absolutely everything. Yeah. And of course, I don't read my review, so I have no idea if the readers bought it or not. That's just the way the story is going to go. I think if they're buying the next book, they did, you know. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, books are moving along. So, yeah, I, I, I think they're okay with it. No one sent me hate mail saying, oh, he should have groveled more. I do get that. So, you know, they know your email address. They will send it to you. Oh, yes. Yes, I have gotten hate mail. I got hate mail about Amaya. Ooh. A lot of hate mail about poor Amaya. Oh, poor Amaya. I have no idea who she is, but just poor Amaya. We all deserve love. Oh, she's she's the heroine that everyone hated. Yeah. Oh, no, I got that, but I just haven't read her, so I don't know her. Like, but, you know, we all, oh, we all deserve love. Yeah. And, you know, she wasn't eating babies or something, yeah. was she? Like, you know, she can redeem herself. No, she thought she was being mean and nasty to the heroine because she thought she was protecting her faded mate from having his heart broken. Well, you know, that's a little understandable. Yeah, because that heroine and that hero, Essie and Marcus, are a second chance romance. So they had something going on before the... The series started and she accidentally turned him into a werewolf oh and he disappeared so she was certain that he hates her and he's got really complicated feelings about the whole situation yeah but i think i fixed it right. i added bonus scenes in the box set Ooh. for the nephilim's destiny series and i worked really hard on softening up Amaya and showing how she's struggling with the situation so fingers crossed yeah you know, it's funny, though, because sometimes I feel like the readers, they're so forgiving of the guys. Yeah. And they're so harsh on the women sometimes that it really does frustrate me sometimes. And I get it. That's society in general. But it just sometimes want to be like, God, give a girl a break, you know? Yeah. And I get it. You know, she was one of the villains in the first set. You got used to hating her. But, like, give a sister a break. Like, seriously, if people love Neldor now with how big of an asshole he was, like... Yes. I mean, he he really did turn things around. If you keep reading, I'm not saying like, you know, yeah, keep reading my books. But like, you know, if you did, you would see that he does put in the work. He does become supportive. I think he shocks himself of like certain things and like how he was behaving, you know. It's not an easy ride. It's not a quick little thing. I hate it when they're more like the bully genre. If you're ever an intentional jackass like that, you don't deserve. Yeah. Or especially as quick as it is. Like that whole mindset of like, he'll be better for me. I can make him better. Or, you know, he's not like that with me. Yeah. That is always like the most victimizing. (sighs) But like, there's a line. You know what I mean? Oh yeah, I completely agree, and I I can't write that to save my life. I really can't. I don't want to. I don't like to read it, so why would I want to write yeah. it? I, the only thing about Neldor is I knew there was more to the story in the back of my head. I knew there was more to it. I knew it wasn't all what it seemed. So it wasn't so much redemption as peeling back layers of the onion where you realize, like, oh, okay, so he wasn't that bad or some of this wasn't his fault or misunderstanding and you know yeah but yeah the guys who are always like bullying somebody or like he got people to scratch up her car and like dump her clothes out of gym class and like all this different stuff and i'm like <laughs> yes and you talk to him why yeah again. exactly like, you gotta 
You can you can make it work, but you really, really, really have to pay attention to the motivation, right? Like, please have more self-respect for your female characters that they don't give that kind of asshole. That time of day. Well, yeah, don't get me wrong. We put our characters through hell. I get that. And we get picked on a lot for, like, who hurt you in life that you're so mean to your characters. That's just being part of an author. And I put... I mean, right? You get those emails like, who hurt you? Why do you enjoy doing this to them? Yeah, we get that kind of stuff all the time. So, yes. Yeah, we do. At least I never have my female characters just bend over and grab their ankles because he's cute. Like, you know what I mean? It's just, oh. Yeah. Oh, no. And that is the technical definition. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Yeah, no. Yeah. Mm. I struggle with reading the bully stories, too. I can't. There are a few. I've read some to study them, to see how it works out. And I still think that she's an idiot in the end. I think you can pull it off, but it takes a lot of work, and you have to really pay attention to how you're motivating everything. Yeah, I think a lot of times you can absolutely do it, and I think that bullies can be redeemed. I think it absolutely can work out. It can happen. My main complaint is I don't think it can happen as quickly as it does in stories and fiction, which, you know... I get it. Mm. It's fiction. Yeah. But, you know, just because it's fiction isn't, like, the cure-all of, like, everything's gonna be okay. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. I agree with that. But, yeah, so that's my main complaint. I've seen some that, like, I the redemption arc was absolutely believable. It was just too fast. People don't change overnight like that, or we'd have a lot more stable people in the world. I get it. You need it done over a trilogy, or you need it done over whatever. Again, as long as somebody's not, like, eating babies in the woods, (laughs) yes, you deserve to apologize. You deserve to be happy in the end and make up for what you've done. I believe in all of that. But you're not going to do it in, like, a semester of high school. Like, It's gonna take you a bit longer to not be such an asshole. Like, the power of love is only so powerful. Let's go with that. Yeah. Yeah. I also get pieces of that on the opposite side. Mm -hmm. So the heroine in my Ensnared in the Pack series, her arc is to find self-confidence. To believe in herself and trust herself and and grow into the person she's supposed to be. And she's been abused for almost all of her childhood. And I get people like, she's so weak. Why is she such a wimp? She's a wimp all the time. It's like, well, she's had a lifetime of training. Right. Right? To be quiet, to stay hidden, to not speak up. That's hard to really get over. Uh, very hard hell i'm 35 and yeah and i still have trouble opening my mouth sometimes after growing up in that in a emotionally abusive you don't know anything setting like it's not something you easily just break out of it's funny to me when you have people who read like just to back to tamson it's the same book and then i'll get emails being like i'm tired of her being so weak I'm tired of her breaking. I'm tired. Like, can she stop just breaking down and crying? Are you kidding me? Tamsin's a slay all day character. You're still at book 12. So something happens and she she has a breaking point, which we all have. And I think it's important to show that even the strongest of us have that point. Yeah. But it's really funny because then two seconds later, it's like, I can't deal with her being this cold and unloving and unfeeling anymore. And just, we get it. She's a badass. Like, move on. And I say it a lot. I always laugh when authors are like, oh, I read all my views. I take it all in. I, I, I adjust as I need. And I'm like, no, you don't. Because <laughs> you will have 50 people tell you 50 different things and you can't. So 
even if like there are certain things I read or I poll my fans on Facebook and we have fun with that. And it's not like I, I let them adjust like main plot lines, but there are certain things I've been like, okay, so do we want more with the unicorns or do we want more food challenges? Like the fun stuff. Cause there's a certain amount of like fun stuff you're going to put in. And I'm fine with it. If you guys want more unicorns, we can do more fun unicorns. If you wanted, like, I, I just am not going to let them decide if Tamsin is going to end up being the queen of fairy or not. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, there's that line. Yeah. It is super fun, though, to do those polls. <laughs> okay. I love my fans. My fans are great. I know I pick on them a lot in the podcast just because it makes me giggle. And I hope it makes other people giggle. And, like, nobody takes it too seriously. It's not like I'm hating on anybody. And that's just life, you know? 50 people will try the same burger and have 50 different opinions. It's not a book thing only. I've tried different things or I've eaten the same thing as my friend and we have totally different opinions too. It's fine. It's just funny though that like, yeah, like you're saying, like she needs to learn it or she's trying to get stronger. But even the characters that are strong, I've had people be like, oh my God, she's so weak. She cries all the time. And I'm like, do you not cry? Like, do your tear ducts not work? Have you not? <laughs> it reminds me of when I first started trying to publish. I've previously published under some now defunct pen names. Okay. I had landed an agent and she was shopping my one book around and she asked me if I wanted the rejection letters and I said, yeah, sure, send them along, right? Because this is rejection from editors at publishing houses, right? This was a big deal. Mm -hmm. 2010. A while ago, before I knew things. Yeah. And I got, she sent them, she sent them in bulk and the first two were like, I loved the world building. It's really interesting, but the characters are two dimensional. And then the next one was the characters are amazing. They're so well thought out, but oh god, the world building. <laughs> it's like okay, there is nothing wrong with this book. Yeah. So when I started to get books under Aaron ready, I like Seraphine. I tried to do the agent route. I didn't get to you where I got an agent. I had three agents that wanted to work with me. However, comma, one didn't like that Seraphine was unrelatable because she was unbelievable in the strength and determination. And that's just she wasn't feminine because of it. And now this was like 2012 too, I think, something like that. So, you know, we've come a long way in 12 years sometimes, baby, but whatever. But yeah, she was basically too <laughs> big of a badass and it was unbelievable and it was unsexy. And I still have that letter that sometimes I flip off. Yeah. It was a female agent and I was like, you give me back your woman card. <laughs> yeah. Thank you for saying that for all women, you jerk. The other one was like, werewolves are not sexy. You can't have a female werewolf as the main character. It's just what it's going to be gross and like fur and, you know, jokes of licking herself and stuff. And I was like, dude, that you're you're the weird one in this situation. Are you kidding me? Like, uh -huh. when did when did Kelly Armstrong release her werewolf book? I don't know that one. There had been not a lot, but there had been other female leads that were a werewolf or wolfy, whatever. Like, it was just so bizarre. Like, he would sign me if I switched her to a vampire. I was like, nope. Are you kidding? No. What? I don't think that's... It wasn't even like I was just digging in my heels and, like, being... But it was just one of those things, like, you wanted me to do it before it even got to the editors or the the publishers like why would i i don't know you enough to trust your judgment and clearly i was wrong because seraphine is a good selling series so because i'm five <laughs> <laughs> what 
the other one wanted. It was something just as stupid. Like, oh, something about me writing a story, for, being from Chicago and writing a story in set in Chicago was cliche. And the whole crime fighter in Chicago thing was cliche and overdone. Oh. And I was like, that is the stupidest reason to hate a series and a book or like digging your heels to change that. Like, all of them were just so stupid that I was like, you know what? I'm going to do this on my own. And if I fail, I fail. But it's better than just all the suggestions, all the things that they wanted me to change were stupid. Yeah. Well, you dodged a bullet. I know the agent and the publisher thing is like the end all and be all for some authors, but I've learned some hard lessons and sometimes it's better if you don't say yes. Yeah. I was published with, there weren't agents, but there were smaller publishers and none of them ended well. So yeah, I completely understand that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Sometimes it's just, yeah. You need to find your person. I have friends who are traditionally published and who have agents, but it's their relationship with their agent and their editor, right? They are people who believe in what they're writing and don't say things like totally rearrange, like just write a different book kind of stuff, right? Like they believe. In, yeah. And it's really hard to find your person for your particular voice and your style and how you think about stories. Yeah. For me, it's my editor. I take everything way too seriously, like life or death and da, 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 da. And she's like, it's great. People are going to like it. Even if this might have, you know, not been the 99 percentile way to go or something, it's fine. Like nobody's you're you're making this a mountain out of a molehill. Like, so that's my editor. She's very chill on stuff. I mean, she takes her job seriously. She does a great job. It's just a book. It's just a thing. Like, I mean, yes, it's my book. It's my baby. But it will not solve world peace. It also won't cause nuclear war. We're good. Like, she gives me that kind of perspective. <laughs> That's a great perspective. She says it with such sass. And, like, she doesn't say it exactly like that. But she says the stuff with such sass that you're like, all right, well, I feel like an idiot now. Yeah, no, it's not going to bring nuclear war. Like, thank you very much. <laughs> <laughs> but she can get away with it. She only edits for me now. She took a job as a principal. She was a, a teacher doing a side hustle and she got the promotion to become a principal in her school district. And she only kept me because I'm the fun one. And, you know, editing Seraphine and Tamsin have been like cool mom stuff for her, basically. Nice. Yeah, I think authors need to find their person, be it through a traditional publishing route or a self-publishing room. For sure. And I also think it's important because I've had friends that weren't authors before, but finding that one friend that gives zero shits that you're an author. Like I have a friend here in my apartment complex. Our dogs are dating and we walk every almost every day at 4.30 to do a couple laps around here. She just doesn't care that I'm an author. Like, she's not a big reader. She's more into reality TV. It's fine. I don't have to have all my friends be bibliophiles like me. I was so worried about what happens after Tamsin. Like, I'm going to lose all my fans. That's my biggest selling series. How I'm going to feed Vader and I, you know, because I worry about that, of course. And um, I shouldn't, but I do because, you know, we're all idiots, whatever. And it's stressful not getting a regular, you know, wage and salary and like market share. And she just looked at me and she's like, why are you like this? And I'm like, what do you mean? She goes, why do you think that this next series, you're just going to try and be as good as Tamsin? She's like, why? What is wrong with you? I'm like, I don't, it will fine. It won't be as good as Tamsin. She's like, no, what if it's better? 
She's like, you have room to grow. You're not the book writer for all the movies. She's like, what if this next series gets so much bigger? Mm-hmm. And I just looked at her. I was like, I, I, and she's like, you never considered that. I was like, no, I never, con- I never crossed my mind. It was just how much worse and how close can I get it to be as successful as Artemis? Like if it could be like 80% as successful as Artemis, that'd be awesome. It never crossed my mind. It could become more successful than Artemis. And so, yeah, I, I think it's important for authors to have that non-author friend to be like, oh, my God, you're being crazy. <laughs> Some of the best author advice I was given was never compare yourself to yourself. Huh. Because I'm struggling with my Nephilim's Destiny series just took off. Like, it was ridiculous. Re- Ridiculous. Mm-hmm. It did so well. I'd never had a year like that. It was incredible. And then uh, the spinoff series with Amaya that everyone hates <laughs> came out. <laughs> and it was like that series never happened as far as trying to grow my sales. <laughs> oh, that one with Amara shot up. No, it tanked. Oh, no. Compared to Nephilim's Destiny... Like, Nephilim's Destiny sat in the top 100 charts on Amazon for like six, seven months. Like, it was ridiculous. Okay. I'd never had a series do that well. And so I thought, okay, we'll just do a spinoff because readers like a spinoff. Yeah. (laughs) And then COVID hit. Oh, no. Yeah. Yeah. I released that in 2020. So the sales started off great. And then they just kept going down. Well, that just answered if I'm doing a spinoff for Tamsin. I've, I've had so many people ask me, and I'm like, no, I don't. Yeah. Know do no. That just answered it. No, I'm kidding. No, you can. I mean. I don't really want to. I'd do an extra book later on, like when she's married and has kids or something, like an extra yeah. a, extra side book or something. But I don't really want to. I have other series waiting to go. Like, you know, I don't really want to do a spinoff. Then don't do a spinoff. I mean, they work for some people and sometimes they're fun, but I just, yeah, I've had people like pushing me forward. I'm like, I just am not vibing with it. You know, I don't know that I'm a spinoff series. I'd rather just, I'd rather start fresh with another character. It is weird though, because like you were talking about sales going down. I've noticed some of my Artemis going down and some people are like, well, it's 19 books. Like that's a long series. I was like, Hey, you guys keep asking me for more and more and more. Like one, (laughs) two, I've had some people be like, because you write so fast, I'm going to wait until the remaining of the 26 books come out and just get them all at once. I'm like, hey, Vader and I need to eat in the meantime, please. (laughs) Yeah. Don't wait for the next seven books. Yeah. A lot of the romance readers that read a lot of Mm -hmm. books do that. I know. I won't know how a series is really going to be received until I put out the last book. Yeah. Like, you really don't know. I've never finished a series. I'm terrified. I've never finished a series. Oh, it'll be fun. You'll have great fun with that. No, you're so full of (laughs) shit. I've never read a series or watched a show or anything where I didn't feel like, oh, that ending was crap. Like, I, you just always, no matter what, it wasn't exactly, I mean, we're always just harsh on that stuff. There won't be any gut punches in the end. It's going to end exactly where I've gingerly been leading. It's a feel-good ending of, like, it just is what it is. But I'm still prepared for half the people to hate it. Like, you know. Oh, oh yeah. But once it's done. But it's terrifying. I don't I don't want to do oh. Yeah, people might just never get the 26th no, book. No, they will. You'll have readers who will. You, know. you will. 
Maybe I'll have a heart attack before no. then. That'd be nice. <laughs> no, it'll happen. <laughs> That'd be nice. I've never gotten hate mail for the endings of my series. I've gotten, can I have more? Oh, really? But I never get, no one says that was the suckiest. Of course, I don't read my reviews anymore because yeah. you know, fastest way to have a mental breakdown is to re- read the reviews. Yeah. That's... But no, people don't send me hate mails for the ending. They just say, oh, can you do like a novella or can oh, we God, see yeah. the wedding or stuff like that? I'm okay with that. Like I do some of that stuff with Tamsin maybe later on in like five years just as a quickie revisit some fun. Maybe. I mean, we'd see. But I, I don't. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I think if you tie up the loose ends as best you can mm-hmm. and make her happy, make them all happy, mm-hmm. then the readers will end the book feeling happy and satisfied. Yeah. And I've known how this is going to end since like the first book. When I first thought of Tamsin, the first scene is when she gets her wings. It was the first one that stuck in my head. And I don't think you even got into there yet on book 12. I think it's book 14 or 15. She just got her wings. Okay. So yeah, it's like that was that far into the series and I had to go back and outline all the way through, but I've always known the ending. If you pay attention, you know, what's going to be the ending too. Like, I don't like the series that you're like, wait, what just happened at the ending? Or like crazy juking in right turns. Just give me the feels. There's going to be some sadness because everything that ends has to have some sort of sadness. And it's very apparent in the series that at some point in time, she has to unfreeze her mother. And when she does, her dad's going to die. I'm not going to not address that. I've been talking about that for since she met. I've said it several (laughs) times that I'm never going to say the guy's name. It is said however they want to say I'm not going to just never deal with that. Like, it's going to happen before the series ends. So it's going to be sad, but there's going to, you know, like... You'll be fine. Yeah. So I, your readers will love your ending. And if they don't, I don't think you will cack the ending. Well, and even if they don't, there's a whole other series for them to love next. I'm actually very excited about the next what series after because, like you were saying, your character is not really weak, but she's not a strong character. Like, I'm excited because it's, you know, the reverse harem in college genre kind of thing. And I've already got the first two books written. Bevan knows kind of she's the stereotypical big boobed blonde that everybody helps. All the guys help because she's pretty and has big boobs. And she hates that about herself. She was abused and by her family and she was kept naive on the premise that she would be like mated off and her husband could train her however she wanted Ugh. as like a broodmare, you yes, know, kind yeah. of vibe. Oh, yeah. It's very horrible. She's strong enough to break free from it, but she's constantly like, I'm going to drown. But she understands that that's who she is. She understands like she's that cliche, big boobed blonde and like people help her because she's pretty. It makes her mad. Like, I need to get stronger. I need to. There's there's one scene where she's running and running through class to do like uh, time trials to like see their athletic ability. And the guy's like, why are you planning to need to run that long? She's like, I can't throw a punch. I can't take out a man. I can't fight. But I knew I could run. And if I can run as fast as I can for as long as I can, I'll outrun as many people as I possibly can that would want to hurt me. And like, that's just who she is. She knows she's not the smartest. She knows she's not the bestest. But... <laughs> She could run and she had access to a treadmill. So the girl does like crazy runs knowing she could outrun people who would come after her. And I think that's a solid mentality for life, you know? Yeah. No, I agree. My weaker heroines tend to be quite thoughtful. 
they tend to analyze the situations and just stay quiet and watch and then make a decision based off of like the don't engage decision right yeah she keeps her head down and kind of just plugs along but like she knows that she's naive she knows she's not worldly and so yeah she's but she also knows that she's drowning you know so and she asks for help which i think is important especially if coming from a household you were abused is asking for help or knowing how to ask for help after you couldn't ask the people you should to for help is important so yeah interesting but yeah i I'm sad to have to end Artemis. Like, I don't want it to go on forever. Like, it's so funny, though, because most of my series don't have an end date. And the one series that I said would be like 25, 26 books, everybody's like, can we just keep it going forever? I'm like, you know what? No. (laughs) (laughs) Every now and then it's nice to uh, move on to new people. Yes. Yes. A new mythologies and like, you know. I was trying to explain to my friend, I didn't realize because I'm working on a trilogy right now and I'm planning on just putting the trilogy out all at once just for a fun side project. But I've been so vested in Artemis or Seraphine and Artemis is 19 books. Did you have any idea how hard it is to write the 19th book when you have to cross-reference 18 other books? Oh, yes. Like, people don't understand how mentally taxing that is. Oh, oh my goodness. I totally get that. Like, the spinoff series. So, now I've got 11 books in that world, and Mm -hmm. I've tied my Ensnared in the Pack series to that world. Oh, my God. Yeah. Yeah. Oh. That's another reason not to have a spinoff. Tying it all together like that, I just... Yep. <laughs> the exhaustion would be... <sighs> well, it's it's staying true to whatever world building you've decided. Like, And I've gone back and read things and thought, hmm, that's a continuity error. I hope no one notices that. <laughs> you know, the series that long, you will always find one or two, but there's always something easy to explain it or just elaborate on that it's not that big of a whatever. Mine is just more like... It's not even like the the world I've built. It's like the character stuff, like forgetting that somebody didn't like tomatoes and like just verifying that one fact or something of like, wait, I remember he couldn't have something. Where did I? Oh, I didn't write that note down. Where did he eat something? And it's like going just back through. Yeah. <sighs> I'm having fun just lighthearted in a trilogy of, you know, three books and done. Nice. And watch. Nobody will want them. (laughs) Well, you never know. Yeah, that's true. I want to give a big thanks to Tessa Cole for joining me for such a fun conversation. Also, to all of our fans for checking this podcast out. I hope you liked what you heard and decide to stick around. Please make sure to subscribe to the Fat Books podcast on YouTube or Spotify or that little purple icon on your Apple device. Follow us on Twitter and Facebook to stay up to date on who we're recording with and when episodes are coming out. There's also a Patreon if you want to support the podcast and keep it going. Now let's hear a bit about what she's working on and what's next for her fans. At the time we're taping this, the last book in mine and Clara Wills' Secrets Gods Keep series will have released. Releases May 1st. And hopefully I will have the last book of my Ensnared in the Pack series finished early. So hopefully that will be coming out soon. Fingers crossed, everyone. Thanks for staying until the end and hope you enjoyed it.